Hi, and welcome to another Kirk E. Free Sermons podcast. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to be back with you. Yeah, been a little while. So I've got a very important question for you to start us off for today. Let's hear it. With the supplies you have in your house right now, if I said, run to your house and make a sandwich, what sandwich would you make? Yeah, that's easy. It's uh, salami and provolone on white bread. Is that everything that's on the sandwich? Yeah, if I had mayo, I'd throw it on, but it's not there, so. That is pretty plain. I won't do the Miracle Whip. Oh, you don't? You no. don't like the tangy zip? I don't like that tangy. Yeah, I tried it, and I thought, oh, this is not what I wanted. So no, no, nothing on it. Miracle Whip or mayo, I'm good with either of them. Okay, okay. Both have their place, I think. <laughs> I think they're great. <laughs> All right, so you guys heard what it. What about you? Oh, um, well, my favorite sandwich would be, I love turkey bacon avocado. Whoa. So if I had the fixings for that. If you did. If I did, I would probably have uh, like a wheat bread, the avocado, that's your condiment. Yeah. yeah I would yeah. put tomato on it if I had it. Certainly lettuce or spinach, okay. bacon, turkey. Boy, if I had I some. I like the greens. I, I yeah. like that. That's nice. Yeah. I, and I think if I had like some uh, banana peppers, I'd put them on there too. Okay. And I'd probably toast the bread. The bread toasted is good. Your house is starting to sound like Subway. <laughs> Well, we eat fresh over at my place. <laughs> <laughs> the The amount of times I would have all of those materials together to make sure. that sandwich, ooh, it doesn't happen very often. No, no, but when it happens, it's, I'm eating it. Absolutely. <laughs> right. I have another important question. This one maybe is actually important. Okay. This has come up in my life. If I'm a new believer, if this is the first time I've cracked open the Bible, or I'm interested in learning more about the Bible, or maybe I've got someone in my family or a friend where I'm I'm working with them and they're interested in the Bible, and I had to start somewhere, where would I start? What book would you start someone out with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would definitely direct someone to the Gospels, by mm-hmm. which I mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Okay. But to be more specific, I would just say, why don't you start with the book of John? Okay. John's very plain while he writes, and he tells you right at the end, so you get through it and you realize, okay, this is his purpose all along. He says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So you start with the Gospels because this is the life of Jesus Christ, and I see. the whole purpose of it is to follow him. And so to hear his call... And that's where you're going to get it is in the Gospels. Yeah. From then on out, you can branch out to the rest of the New Testament or or go into the Old, and where you begin to see Christ in all the ways he's portrayed in those older books. Gotcha. So if this is a normal book, I start at the beginning, which would be Genesis. But you would say jump ahead into yeah. the Gospels. Start at the beginning of the New Testament. New Testament. Okay, so if we go... The Old Testament is what you find at the front of the Bible. Right. Genesis. Mm-hmm. The New Testament starts Matthew, Mark, Luke... John. So you'd right. hit any of those four, you probably lean towards John. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's great. That's some good information because I've had that come up a couple times in my life. Sure. Where to start? Yeah. Well, hey, we had a, a different experience this Sunday as a congregation. Probably a first, right? First for our congregation ever, I would Certainly imagine. Certainly unique. Yeah. We did our Easter service mm. as a Zoom meeting with everyone that was that wanted to be a part of it on our congregation. Mm-hmm. You could see everyone's smiling faces if they had video feed going. Mm-hmm. We took communion together. Mm-hmm. We had some praise and worship. We did. We had a message. It was great. Yeah, it was sweet. I think everyone enjoyed that face-to-face visual mm-hmm. of each other and knowing we're all here, we're still in service together, but just from our home. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it pulled together real nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, My prayer was that the internet connection would be strong and from here from the church because this is where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. And it was. It really held up. It did. We had remarkable response from the congregation. 
I would say it was over a hundred altogether. The people that sure that were watching and uh, participating. You really learn who you miss. One of the people mm-hmm. in our church, Colin. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had to see him weekly, it gets to be tough. Mm-hmm. But then when I saw him on there, I thought, <sighs> I maybe I do miss him just a little bit. <laughs> just a little. Anyway, <laughs> that was a great time. Yeah. And oh, we're probably going to be doing that again, right? To yes. be announced, but we're going to be doing that again at some point. Yes. Being that we're currently um, at home till the 4th of May, I believe mm-hmm. it is right now, we're going to we're gonna try to pull one together for May 3rd. Okay, great. If you didn't get the invitation to that mm-hmm. uh, and you're a part of our congregation or you regularly attend, what you want to do is come to our church website and there on the front page you'll see some information about reaching out to me uh, so I can help you um, just to be a part of that. We don't want you to be excluded. Yeah, so our website is kirkefc.org. That's K-E-R-K-E-F, as in Frank, C.org. We had uh, part of that service. Right at the end, you guys laid out a scavenger hunt activity for people to do. Yeah, we wanted to have something for kids. Of course, it turned out to be the worst weather day to have it, (laughs) uh, like just chilled to your bones. Yeah. But no, you could still do it inside, and so... Yeah, it was a Bible scavenger hunt. We had to look up verses and find the object in those and take a picture of them and collect them for points. Okay. So, yeah, we put that out for the church to to do and enjoy with their family. And uh, we did get a little bit of response back, and so we do have a winner to announce today. Oh, good, we do. All right. Yeah, yeah. So this year's scavenger hunt challenge goes to Kyle and Darcy and their family, along with Matt and Brenda and their family who work together to get it done. Oh, that's great. So they've won a lifetime supply of communion cups and crackers. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. We do have a prize for you, but we're working on it. All right. That sounds like a good idea. Well, that yeah, that was a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, we have something special today. We have special music. Richie and Janet pre-recorded a song that they performed together here at the church. So the name of the song is Oh Glorious Love Mm -hmm. by John W. Peterson. Well, thank you, Richie and Janet, for recording this for us. Yeah, here we go. Jesus found me, touched my eyes and made me see, broke sin's chains that long had bound me, gave me life and liberty.
that piece I was just thinking about the words glorious love and then my song will silence never yeah uh, that's the way it moves us to you can't keep quiet about this yeah because that's how wonderful his love is mm-hmm. and it reminds me of uh, we were of course in the end of Mark this past Sunday thinking about how it ended on this rather abrupt note in which the women who first came to the tomb fled in silence at the end. And we thought, wow, what happened? How could this? But it's just true and it's just honest that sometimes we flop and we fail and we are quiet. And when we ought to be the ones who are speaking the truth, sharing the announcement that Christ has been raised and uh, it's all true what he said and what he did. And and in that light, I think it's good, Sean, that we challenge one another in that regard. Mm -hmm. So we were thinking to put this out there for our listeners that maybe it's been a while since you've reached out to the people that are in your community or in your own church, maybe even your own family, is there someone you haven't talked to? Maybe it's been a month or more. Here's the challenge. Would you call them up this week and touch base with them? Hear what's going on in their life and maybe share the good news of what you're putting your hope in these days. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's a challenge. Call one person. Or what are you thinking? Yeah, just at least one. Start with that. Mm -hmm. That's manageable. Yeah, for sure. We can do that. Oh, that's great. I like that. Well, we're going to get into the Word now, Josh. Yeah. What we have today is uh, a couple weeks back, we started playing the Get Rooted series, Mm -hmm. and that was Get Rooted in the Gospel. Right. This is the next sermon in that series. This is Get Rooted in the Word. Mm -hmm. And I listened to this uh, this morning, actually, just in prep for today. I love this sermon because of its timeliness right now. What a great opportunity that we have while we're all a little bit distant from one another. Mm-hmm. Sure, we're distant, but we're also, uh, you know, those excuses we all have had to not get rooted in the Word, mm-hmm. to not read our Bible daily. Some of those excuses have been stripped away for us. The busyness, there's less of. Now is a time for us to get rooted in the Word, and I, th- I think it's just a great message along those fronts. And we're going to play that now. We hope everyone enjoys listening to it and is an encouragement to you. If you want to get a hold of us, because we're going to just let the sermon just roll itself out to the end. Mm-hmm. If you want to get a hold of us, have any questions, have any needs, please do so. We're at kirkefree at gmail.com. That's K-E-R-K-E-Free at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you today. Uh, I wanted to show you something. We're going to put it up on the screen here and see what you think, okay? Just a moment. Bill's going to put it up. There it is. Get rooted in the Word. That's our series. That's what we're we're talking about today. We're talking about getting rooted. What do you think? Pretty good? That's going to be our... The idea of getting rooted is the series that we're going to be talking about, these few messages here. And uh, 
I'm really excited about it. Um, you need to get rooted. Now, as you know, this is our third Sunday here. And although we are taking well, I would say, we're taking well to the soil of Kirkhoven, our roots are not yet very deep, right? Uh, but like any tree, you can't expect roots to grow overnight, right? And it's the same spiritually speaking. You can't expect your roots to grow deep overnight. I don't know how many times, you know, in college you, you do whatever you can to soak up. Now, of course, I was in Bible college or the Bible and, or your theology books, but no matter how hard you try, I mean, you can even sleep under that Bible on your pillow just hoping I just, that I'll absorb it and have enough for the test the next day. But it just doesn't work. It just takes time and patience and diligence to get your roots down. Um, you know, Paul prayed, this is a biblical idea, by the way, he prayed for churches and believers that they would be rooted and built up in Christ. Rooted and built up in Christ and established in the faith. And in fact, the Bible compares the righteous person to a well-rooted tree. Let me show you this. Here in Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8, I'll put it up here for you. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. And once again, here in Psalm 1, verse 3, it says this, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So this describes the man or the woman who is blessed. What's blessed mean? It means happy. The, woman, the man or the woman who is happy. You want to be happy. You want to enjoy life. Now, here's something interesting again. If you just look at these two verses side by side, they, they're almost identical, right? They both make the comparison of a righteous person like that of a tree that's deeply rooted by a stream. And it's fruitful and its leaf doesn't wither. But there is a little bit of difference. And if you take note of that, you'll, you'll gain a fuller picture of things. So when Jeremiah says it, you see in the next slide here, he says... Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Okay? Not just in what Yahweh can do, but he trusts in who Yahweh is. His trust is the Lord. But the psalmist describes the blessed man with a little bit greater detail. You just back up a few verses and it says this. Blessed is the man, starts the same way, but then he says, Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So we have three negatives, right? This is what he doesn't do. This is what she doesn't do. Which is a very skillful way of bringing us to the one thing that he does do. The positive. Here it is. But his delight is in the law of of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day 
and night. Jeremiah says the Lord is his trust. The psalmist says his delight is in the law of the Lord. Those are two different statements, but not contradictory, right? They give us a fuller picture. So the person who trusts in the Lord is the same person who delights in God's law. He enjoys it, right? He is satisfied by it. He doesn't have to look to other things to find happiness because he's already full and content with the things that God has said. He is the man who has learned to live on the Word. On his law, he meditates day and night. Hudson Taylor, everybody heard that name before? The founder of the China Inland Mission, sustained himself through incredible hardships by a disciplined meditation on the Bible. Here's what somebody wrote about him. He said, it was not easy for Mr. Taylor in his changeful life to make time for prayer and Bible study, but he knew that it was vital. Well do the writers remember traveling with him month after month in northern China by cart and wheelbarrow with the poorest of inns at night, often with only one large room for laborers and travelers alike. They would screen off a corner for their father and another for themselves with curtains of some sort. And then, after sleep at last had brought a measure of quiet, they would hear a match lit. And they would see the flicker of light, of candlelight, which told that Mr. Taylor, however weary he was, was poring over the little Bible in two volumes, always at hand. Now you listen. From 2 to 4 a.m. was the time he usually gave to prayer. The time he could be most sure of being undisturbed to wait upon God. Everyone is busy. Hudson Taylor was busy. Maybe you're busier than him, I don't know. But what is it going to take for you to get the Word in? I'm just going to leave this candle lit here, not because it smells nice, which it does, but because we need a visible reminder Asking ourselves, what is it going to take to get the Word of God in? This is to ask ourselves, for me to ask myself, well, how vital is it to me? How vital is the meditation of God's Word to you? Would it shock you to know that the Bible tells us exactly how vital it is to our lives? Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy chapter 32. Beginning with verse 44. And I would ask, would you stand with me 
as we read the Scripture. Deuteronomy 32, beginning with verse 44. Moses came and recited all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he and Joshua, the son of Nun. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. That very day the Lord spoke to Moses, Go up this mountain of the Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for a possession, and die on the mountain which you go up, and be gathered to your people, as Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor and was gathered to his people, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. For you shall see the land before you, but you shall not go there into the land that I am giving to the people of Israel. You may be seated. Father God, we turn to you at the reading of your word, asking that it would bear fruit in our lives. We know that your word is powerful. We sang about it this morning. So we ask that the ancient words would impart to us life and change for today. If ever there was a day when we needed your word, it is today. So impress it upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What we have just read is the grand finale of a tremendous ceremony, a momentous occasion. It took place just east of the Jordan River on the plains of Moab. The nation of Israel is poised to enter the land that they were promised by God. For the last 40 years, they have circled the wilderness. Why? Well, because the first time they were brought to the promised land, they rebelled against God, they refused to trust Him, And instead, listen to the ten spies that said, No way, these people are too big, these cities are too strong, we'll die if we try. And they complained to God and they said, It would be better for us if we had died in the wilderness. And so God turned them around and said, Well, that's what's going to happen. And the judgment upon them was that they would die in the wilderness. And that was not completed until 40 years had passed. One year for every day that the spies were in the land. They went out to spy the land for 40 days, and God said, for 40 years you will wander in the wilderness. So, at the time that Deuteronomy was composed, those receiving it were not the same group that had left Egypt. 
This was the next generation. The older generation had died in the wilderness. Okay? The generation that Deuteronomy addresses are the children and the teenagers of the Exodus. That's how old they were when they left Egypt. But now, they had grown up. And now they were at the same crossroads that their fathers had once come to. But things were a little different now. One thing that was different was that Moses would not be coming with them. Right? Here at the end of chapter 32, it's not just the conclusion of Moses' song, a song which they were to learn and to have in their mouths, but the conclusion of Moses' life. This was it. Although he was growing strong at 120 years of age, the Bible says that his eyes were undimmed and his vigor unabated. This would be the occasion of his death. He would die outside of the land. He would see it, but he would not enter. And we read the reason why. So the children of Israel knew this, right? They knew that Moses would not be coming with them. And they hung on the words that he was speaking to them. What would be his final plea? What would be his last testament to this group? Verse 45. And when Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, the book of Deuteronomy to this point, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may be that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. Just pause there for a moment. It was uh, nice yesterday at our men's Bible study. We addressed together the concerns we often feel over the influences that the world has in our children's lives, right? And I'm sure you've talked about this at home. Influences from school, influences with friends, through the media, okay, even the government. But we were encouraged, as one of our men said, he said, you know, no matter whether you send your children to public school or not, there must be a school in your home. You are the primary teacher, the primary influence concerning God and His commands in your child's life. Fathers, that means you. This isn't a wives-only responsibility. You know, in this book alone, the book of Deuteronomy alone, at least seven times, it says to teach your children God's Word. And grandparents, you know, you patriarchs, you matriarchs, your role isn't over either. I'm all for retirement, right? Looking ahead for that one day but not from life and not from leadership because your clans need you. And you know, Deuteronomy also mentions your children's children. Did you know that? Your grandkids? It mentions it. Look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9. Very similar to what we've been reading. He says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently. 
Lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children, and your children's children. So to all the men, and to all the grandpas, and to all the grandmas, and to all the mothers, shepherd your families. I like that word, shepherd. You think about all the words that come with that. What, a she- what does a shepherd do? Well, a shepherd guides, right? He guides the sheep. A shepherd nourishes. A shepherd corrects. A shepherd keeps from wandering off, right? And if they do wander off as surely as they may, the shepherd goes after them. You see what Moses is stressing here, right? Take to heart all the words that I'm warning you today. Why? That you may command them to your children. That they may be careful to do all the words of this law. So if they don't matter to you, you can bet it won't matter to them. If you're not learning, right? You need to be learning. You're not perfect, but you need to be learning to obey God. And they also will learn to obey God. So get rooted in the Word. It is vital for your children. It is vital for your children's children. Take them to heart. Read often. Read thoroughly. Read observantly. Read like your children's lives depend on it. But Moses doesn't stop there, right? He goes on to make a rather robust statement about our absolute need of the Word of God. I love this verse, verse 47. He says, For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. It's not empty. It's not vain. It's not, it's not a trifle. Or as the message puts it, it says, Don't treat the Word of God as if it's a small matter. Why? Because it is your very life. You are alive today because of the Word of God. Are you getting this? If you think the Old Testament is emphatic and what is being said here are exaggerated, well, maybe you better stop and just think about what the New Testament says. Let me give you several passages here. Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The universe, including you and me, and everything that exists, exists because God said it. He spoke it into being. Earlier in the same book, Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says, He, speaking to Jesus, upholds the universe. He upholds it. He sustains it by the word of His power. He sustains it every single day. That's why you don't fall apart. That's why you don't break into a million atoms. And it's the same for your spiritual life. You're held together physically by the Word of God, and you're held together spiritually by the Word of God. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through what? Through the living and abiding Word of God. 
And Matthew 4, verse 4. Here Jesus is talking. He's talking back to the devil. And he said, But he answered, It is written. Oh, where was it written, by the way? The book of Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our spiritual lives, our souls, need the words of God. Until the word gets preached to us, the Bible says that we are dead in our sins. Dead is completely unresponsive. Dead is final. Dead is what you are inside because of sin. This week, our Good News Club learned that sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. But salvation is life. You know, Jesus said something very profound. He said, if you want to find your life, you first have to lose it. What he meant was, you must die to self. As Moses put life and death before the children of Israel and said, choose, choose what you will have. So also Jesus puts before us his offer of eternal life. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. His word is called the word of life. It's no small matter. Think of the life of Moses. Think of how much this man had experienced. You know, the end of Deuteronomy states that there was no prophet that compared to Moses. No one who had talked with God. How does it describe it? Face to face. And he understood, personally, the importance of being rooted in the Word. Because you know what? He also failed to do that. The people of Israel saw that Moses, if, if Moses also broke faith with God, he would also pay for it. And the consequence of his sin was that he would not enter the land. So take it from this man that in his final words made it a point to say the very thing that the whole book of Deuteronomy has been saying all along. Take to heart the words by which I am warning you today. The Israelites had with them a written copy of the book of these books of Moses. Moses wrote them down before he died. But that was it. That's what they had, the first five books. How much more do you and I have standing on this side of salvation? Peter said, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention to, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Second Peter 1. Now more than ever, we must pay attention. The Lord has not yet returned. The day has not yet dawned. So pay attention, Kirk Free. We have no excuse. But this, this is a river for the heart, and our roots need to be secured here. Well, how do you do it? How do you do that? Can I leave you with two points, two points to take away from today? Okay? If you have a pen, if you have a note, you write these down. Number one, don't just read your Bible. Meditate on it. 
Don't just read your Bible. Meditate on it. Think on it. Dwell on it. Come back to it throughout the day. Come back to it throughout the night, like Hudson Taylor did. And as you do, you'll begin to grasp how it looks on you. I remember driving down the highway back in Cleveland. We have a uh, Interstate 71, kind of like you do here. And there were signs plastered here and there that encouraged drivers to wear their seatbelts. And sometimes they do it rather cleverly. And one sign said, that seatbelt looks good on you. And I always laughed and driving by. I'm like, yeah, it does look It looks even better knowing what it can do to save my life. But you know what? That verse or that passage that you've been thinking about, that looks good on you. Looks really good on you. So wear it. Put it on. See how it feels for today. Medit- that's what it means to meditate on something. So don't just read your Bible. Meditate on it. And here's another thing. Number two. Be careful not to settle for spiritual milk instead of meat. Be careful not to settle for spiritual milk instead of meat. You don't grow on a milk diet. You need meat. And all the men said, I knew I could get something out of them there. Seek to enrich your spiritual life through discipline. You know, that writer of Hebrews said, Solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained, now listen, by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Hebrews 5.14 So you want to get skilled in the word of righteousness, then you have to practice. And listen, many of us need a mentor to take us up a notch. To see how we're doing, right? Um, it's just like Rocky Balboa. Man, you've watched the Rocky movies, right? Rocky Three. we were watching it the other night, right? And uh, in that movie, he just, he just loses his edge, right? He gets pampered and soft, and he loses to Clubber Lang. You remember Clubber Lang? I pity the fool, right? And uh, so, and at the same time, his trainer, his friend, remember Mickey? He passes away, right? So he is demoralized. He is afraid. But who steps into his life rather unexpectedly? Apollo Creed. Remember Apollo Creed? He says, you know what? I'll, I'll help you. I'll train you. And, it's a, and it was a struggle, right? But he works with him, and he keeps working with him until finally Rocky wakes up and he starts cooperating and practicing and practicing and practicing. Remember, they're running on the beach and he finally he beats him. And you know what? He comes back to the ring confident. But some of us get pampered and soft in the Word. Pray for a mentor. Pray for an Apollo Creed to get you back in the game. As Paul would say, get in the good fight, right? Get in the good fight. Don't lose the... Don't show me for this. Don't lose the eye of the tiger, all right? Put on the good fight. Don't get pampered. And get, be willing to get practicing. But you've got to practice reading and taking in the Word of God. So, as you said last week, get rooted in the Gospel. Know the Gospel. And get rooted in the Word. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, you have not left us without a witness. We have before us in our hands the written Word of God, which is better, Peter said, than even having the apostles there before us, because it's here, it's established for us. And it's your very words. Who are we to take them lightly? Or to treat it casually? I pray and ask that you would convict us of our diligence or our lack thereof concerning the reading and the studying and the meditating on your word. We need to get back to it. We need to get rooted here. So would you help us in that journey? Would you bring the people appropriate in our lives to help us continue in that good fight? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.